Welcome listeners to the Date Night Drive-In. This is our first episode and we're still finding our formula, so please do be patient with us. Uh, And in this episode we cover Avengers Infinity War. We hope you enjoy! And now presenting the Date Night Drive-In. Well, this is our first episode, so I think it will probably be useful to talk about the format so people at home have got some sort of an idea what we're actually doing, right? Yes. Don't be natural. You don't have to do a bit. I wasn't doing a bit. You do. That is natural. It's all good. Are you you cutting this bit out? No. It's cute. Okay. It's good energy. There you go. You're relaxed now. (laughs) I'm always relaxed. (laughs) Said the most neurotic man on earth. (laughs) Okay. All right. So... Before before you started making fun of me, um, I was going to talk about the format, wasn't I? Mm-hmm. So, we both love movies. That is correct. Um, and just the other day, basically out of sheer boredom while I was meant to be working, um, I was looking at the IMDb Top 100, mm-hmm. and I thought it would be fun just to list off the ones that I haven't seen and be like, we could just watch these. And then you suggested that... Um, we could maybe... Me, desperate to turn all my hobbies into forms of labour. <laughs> I know, We right? could make a podcast out of this. So what we've decided to do is take the top 100 mm. rated films on IMDb, on the IMDb charts, yeah. and uh, write down all the names. I put them into a box. And That's a very good box. And pulled it out yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Behave. <laughs> this is a PG podcast, by the way. Family um, friendly. Yeah, exactly. So, so, um, so, yeah. Um, selected one yesterday, and today we're recording a trial piece to see how it goes. Basically, yeah. So, if anyone other than myself or Am is listening to this, then it's probably gone quite well. I think. Ooh, I have a good feeling. I think the thing that I'm really excited about is, whilst we both love films, we have real, real different opinions about yeah. movies, and I also think that. Um, I come from an academic background talking about it, and you come from like a more fan-based background. So, so uh, it might be useful at this point for you to illustrate your experience in (laughs) film. Um, Hello, I have an undergraduate and a master's degree in film, and I've been published in the Journal of Comedy Studies. And you've also worked in film a bit. I did a little bit. I mostly student television, um, but I've done some on-set stuff for work experience you've done some running and helping the cameras and stuff like that yeah, right yeah and i have covered uh, bfi as well that was pretty cool what's bfi for some of our less film inclined it's the british film institute um they do a film festival every year in like october it's mm-hmm. pretty neat you guys should go they um a lot of the screenings are for journalists but there are quite a few that are public and we also have quite a few friends who are very knowledgeable, either in their personal lives or in their professional lives, about film and stuff as well. So we thought this could be a good opportunity to have an excuse to catch up with them. Yeah, exactly. So so hopefully we'll have a few people on in the future, Yeah, which would be nice. Meanwhile, I have no um, film <laughs> qualifications at all. That's not true. You go on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go on Reddit that much. I have an image to uphold. Um <laughs> Beyond the fact that I just basically like movies and I like watching movies, that's it. I think the best way to characterise our relationship with film is we both have letterbox accounts. 
where you meticulously like catalog the film, give it a star, write like when you saw it, do a mm-hmm. review. And I have a list of the movies I've most enjoyed seeing this year based on like the experience as well as the film, where I'd like write nothing about the movie. I don't give it a star. I just rank them. Yeah, so so every week we're going to pick one of the films in the top No, 100. every month. Every month. We are not doing this every week. Every month. Uh, Am, Am is doing all of the editing. Yes, I am. And probably the production as well, yes, I'd imagine. Yes, I am. So, um, so I am totally at your whims. Every month. So yeah, every month um, we're going to pick a film from the top 100. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to post it on our Twitter sort of mm-hmm. a week before the episode comes out. So you can watch if along it, with yeah, us. Yeah, you can watch along with us and let let us know what you thought and if your sort of reviews matches ours. So just as a bit of a format mm-hmm. sort of talk, what I was thinking is that first we'll just talk a little bit about which movie it is we've picked, mm-hmm. where it ranks in the top 100 and some other boring stuff like box office, actors. Then we'll talk about whether we've seen it before and if so, what we thought of it and if we're expecting anything or whatever going into it. <laughs> yeah, right? that sounds good. Why are you laughing? Because we're gonna have so many disagreements. I know. Um, and, and we we're we're a couple that love film, but we also disagree all the time about films. Even if we both like a film, we argue about what we liked about it. So. Yeah, we were arguing about Sister Kane the other day. Uh, we were. I, I said. We'll I, save, save, save it okay. for the episode. Save we'll save it for the Citizen Kane episode. But re- remember this when we get to the <laughs> Citizen Kane episode at some point in the future. So I think that's sort of enough about the format, and let's actually get to the film if anyone is still listening and hasn't tuned out at this stage, right? Yeah, I mean, look, we're two white people in our 20s doing a film podcast. I, I know, very, very new. It's your third podcast? Yeah, I mean, it depends if you count the audio drama that I did. Fourth. Yeah. It's your fourth podcast. Give or take. Give or take. Okay, so this week we're starting off with a bang, and this was, I promise, not manipulated at all, and randomly drew this out of the box. Literally last night. Yes, I did. Um, do you want to tell everyone what the film is? It's Avengers Infinity War. That's right, film boys. Your fan service movie. It's here. We're going to watch it again. Two hours of my life. Uh, two hours and 29 minutes. Two hours and 29 minutes? <laughs> it's sub three hours, which is something. Oh, God. Okay. It's shorter than Endgame, which is also on the list. Oh, jeez. Oh, sorry. Can I say that one's fine to say? You can say Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I was just catching myself. Um, I, I I don't imagine there's many Christians listening. Yeah, I mean, apart from... Was... Su- superheroes are against God. You, were you going to say apart from Chloe? <laughs> yes, I was going to say apart from Chloe. Chloe, if you're listening, hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Avengers. This is number 62 on IMDb's Top 100, which seems quite high for me. I liked it, but I don't think I'd say it's a Top 62 film Yeah, in, I would in say, history. out of all the movies I've ever seen... No Marvel movie apart from maybe Thor Ragnarok would make my top 100. Yeah. That's like a maybe. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think Thor Ragnarok would probably be my only one too. Like, uh, it also depends how you grade the top 100, right? Because we talk about this a lot. Yeah. You rank your films according to your enjoyment and your experience. I try to combine that with what I thought of the quality of the film yeah. as well, which I is mean, tricky. My expectations going in is it's like, um, you know, really nice clothes or shoes, for example, because you're, you're a shoe guy, mm-hmm. really nice uh, like Nikes that aren't like custom or designer. So there's quite a lot of them made. They're all in a factory, sure. but because there's been so much money put into the band, it's still good quality. There's just nothing... 
unique and sort of interesting yeah. about it. Sorry to dunk on shoe guys. I, th- I think that's totally reasonable. But that's my, this is what my, like, I think it'll be fine. So we'll come back to this in a second. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to talk a little bit about the background of the film in case there's someone out there that hasn't seen it. Um, God, I if, wish I were you. <laughs> if that's the case, uh, is it cold under your rock? Or... <laughs> um, so Avengers Infinity War came out in 2018. It's the 19th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, that's including The Incredible Hulk, which is canon, weirdly, even though it's just Edward Norton instead of Mark Ruffalo. But I, don't, I don't care. We'll get back to that later. Um, it's the third proper Avengers film, um, although Civil War kind of is another Avengers film, basically, but it's the third full one. The cast, I could literally read off the cast, but that would take a couple of hours. Yeah. It's a huge film. Great cast. We've got you know Chris Evans, Rob Downey Jr., Samuel L. Jackson, Benedict Cumberbatch, Scarlett Johansson, Mark Ruffalo. It says a lot about the film that an actor as well-known and well-respected as Idris Elba is like a tiny bit part in this film. Has like oh yeah, Randall's in this one. For a little bit, no spoilers. <laughs> um, this film had the biggest opening weekend of all time when it came out, and to date, at time of recording, it's grossed over two billion dollars. Capitalism is ruining art. Okay, okay, Martin Scorsese. Thank you. He, I think he's right, by the way. Yeah. But we'll get. We maybe get to that in the second part <laughs> of this review. Um, versus a budget of three hundred sixteen million dollars. That's huge budget. So much money. Huge box office. So much money. So I've got a question as as a person that knows things about film. Oh gosh, okay, test me. The budget's $316 million. Mm. Um, and I know budget usually contains like the retainer for the actors. That is true. Would that be the case for a film like this where a lot of them are on like 10 film contracts? Like Chris Evans had just a 10 film contract with yeah. the MCU? I would say so because and... I maybe like this would probably be a better question for someone who is more versed in the legal side of film. Uh-huh. Um, my understanding is that it's whilst they're on a retainer contract for the movie, it's a payment per movie. Right. Because then you have stuff like Scarlett Johansson taking the mouse to court over like Good for her. Yeah. Like I guess it's not like Scarlett Johansson is like desperate for that money, but I mean it's a good precedent. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the, the streaming versus the yeah, theatrical the release yeah. budget. Yeah, I think the the thing about Marvel and Disney is that the thing I like least about it is it's returning to a studio system, sort of from the golden age of Hollywood with their retainers for actors, and I really don't like that. Um. I I think I I like I like. Um, for example, I love the Elon Comedies films where yeah. they had um, some great actors like the venerable Alec yeah. Guinness yeah. on Retainer, but he was playing different characters in very different films. If you compare like the Lady Killers to Kind Hearts and Coronets or whatever, it's also whereas MCU that yeah. just doing the same characters. It's also that was at the beginning of sort of the film industry where you mm-hmm. didn't have families that were like a dynasty of actors yeah or like a dynasty of directors which you do now and slowly that like entertainments and and famous people like if you look at how many indie bands have like rich parents mm-hmm. it, it's becoming a, a like sub upper class yeah no basically. i totally agree um and while i'm getting right on i do want to say whilst we're doing these top 100 films these were made canon and picked by like a very specific group of people, right? It's not the. Oh, so yeah. Is it by the people who do um, IMDb or is it what they're rated? I, their viewers I don't know. This is something um, to look into maybe um, 
when when we get to our second part, yeah. I'll um, I'll mention that then if you write me. I'll just yeah. take a note of that. Um just because I think like if this was made by, you know, another culture mm-hmm. or maybe a different age group or even different if, age group, different of, class? Yeah, sexualities, genders, the top hundred films you're gonna get are gonna be like wildly different. And I think that's it's probably fair to assume given Hollywood, right? This is pale male and stale. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's really important to acknowledge pretty much every episode. Um, I totally agree. And of these films, um, I tried not to like memorize them while I was because I was writing them down. Yeah. Anne doesn't know what the full list is. You could probably guess some. Yeah. Um, but very, very few of them are recent films. By recent, I mean within like the past twenty years. Yeah, which I'm gonna get angry about. <laughs> right. Yeah. And of the ones that are, most of them are either films like, like Avengers or animated films because yeah. just because the technology wasn't there previous. Yeah. There's a lot of 50s, 60s, 70s here. Yeah, which, like, some of them are good. There are some really exciting, like, you know, Mm non-white, non-English-speaking movies that we're hopefully going to get into, like Seven Samurai, which I'm so excited about. That'd be great. There's some Studio Ghibli films as well. But that's for another day, unfortunately. we're getting sidetracked. We have to go back to Russo Brothers land. We have to go back, Marty. We're going back to Disneyland for (laughs) this one. Um... So, the IMDb rating for this film is an 8.4 I think out of that's 10. too high. I disagree. I, yeah, right. Um, it got 85% on Rotten Tomatoes, which, again, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that's that's a person score, right? That's a yeah. popular score. Yeah, so, but I think when you're thinking about that, you also have to think about who's the kind of person who would go see a movie, then exactly. log on to Rotten Tomatoes and rate the movie. Exactly, yeah. Um, what's interesting, though, is it did significantly worse on Metacritic... It got 68% as a critical score, which is almost like 20% worse than the sort of popular score. I think that is like 65 to 65 is maybe what I give it. Yeah. Yeah. I might be, I might go up to 70, but I I wouldn't be giving it 85%. I think you have a deeper emotional connection to these movies. That's that's also true. Yeah. Um, So, Infinity War, in terms of its legacy, it mark the beginning of the end of well marvel's what they called phase three which a lot of people would consider to be the best phase of the marvel films um had some great films like Thor ragnarok mm. and spider-man homecoming and things mm. like that in there this was followed up uh, by endgame don't which, slap the table this is followed up by endgame which dwarfed it in box office um and was running time it was a much larger film um it sort of marked the end of the first chapter, I suppose, of the MCU book. So this was followed by the Disney Plus TV shows and um, was met with a lot of the old Avengers sort of uh, leaving their roles to be replaced in the future, right, by by the new generation, I suppose, of Avengers, uh, which we've already seen a little bit. I'm being very vague as to not get into spoilers here. This is the spoiler-free part of the review. Um when you, we come back after our nice little ad break in the middle. Ad break. <laughs> no ad one's break. paying us. Well, we will advertise one of our other podcasts. Um, oh, we can. We can just do that. And, and I criticise Disney for becoming a monopoly, but truly I am the monopoly. Of yeah, yeah, we've really got a stranglehold over the podcasting <laughs> world. Um, and when we come back for the second part, we'll, uh, we'll then talk spoilers and talk about our responses to the film. So, we've both seen it. I saw it in cinemas when it came out. I, I, also, I also saw it in cinemas when it came out. I don't think I've watched it again since. Me neither, because it felt like a job. 
Right. It's a long film. Um, we're watching it at home on uh, Disney Plus. Yes. We're not sponsored, but if anyone from Disney is listening, we would be interested. No, we wouldn't. <laughs> That's the difference between us as well. Um, and one of my regular segments, which I think would be a cute idea, is what um, movie, what classic movie snack do you want to eat while watching this? Because I'm really feeling chocolate-covered raisins. Oh, I don't like raisins. Damn, we've been dating for quite a long time. I didn't. Know I don't that. like dried fruit. Bad texture. Okay. I'm neurodivergent for. In, ca- in case yeah, it wasn't in case you picked up. <laughs> if food is just bad texture, I wanted to make my special popcorn. <laughs> I know it's not a classic movie snack, but it's nice um, to start do off with. Do you want to tell the people at home, considering <laughs> this is a lot of people's kind of first exposure to you, I think? I think it's a really good way to characterise me. I have a, It's like, okay, if you're a Brian David Gilbert fan, it's similar to Pepcorn. Also not sponsored, although Brian David, if you're listening. Yeah, I would take a sponsor from him. Um, it's salted popcorn with melted cheese, crushed up Doritos and sriracha. It's really good. <laughs> it, it's it's a heart attack on a plate, and it it's yummy. <laughs> well, I may be having my chocolate covered raisins anyway, but we'll cover that I think when we record our second part. So, last bit of this first part before we get on to actually watching the film. What what did you think of it when you watched it? You've sort of made your thoughts clear already. And um, what is there anything you're going to be looking out for? What are you expecting from a rewatch? Uh, I I mean, like, I think I'm going to walk away and be like, that's fine. I think when I first watched it, there was a lot of hype around what it meant culturally uh-huh. for um, sort of understanding and enjoying films. It felt a lot like watching the final season of Game of Thrones, not because it was bad, but because it was like to understand cultural references. I have to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. I am expecting to walk away being real mad about the... Um, I can talk about the fat phobia plotline yeah. throughout that. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. I think that's something that, like... Oh, maybe is that in, is that in the next one? It is in the next one. Ah, okay. See, for, that's the thing. is I really couldn't tell you what happens in which movie. Yeah. Because... That's, um, that's Endgame. Yeah. Um, so, I think... I think I'm going to walk away and be like... That was fine, and I love Spider-Man, because <laughs> I'm a Spidey gal. Yeah, I think there's some bits of it which are really compelling, interesting storylines, but there is just so much going on, which I'm aware is, like, the point. Yeah, it's just like still. a chore. Yeah. Um, I'd also definitely say that uh, the society which we live in... We live in a society. Speaking of, that film is on the top 100 as well. Um, the society we live in now is a lot... I think a lot more tired and oversaturated with the MCU than it was when this film came yeah, out. Yeah. Also, I think it would be fate. We we should acknowledge the elephant in the room, which is that after, for example, and I can't believe I'm dropping this in the first episode. After nine eleven, the filmmaking industry and the cultural response to art completely changed, mm-hmm. even in England. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing is going to go for after the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing that. Ah, um, the the way we consume art and the way we think about art is going to be totally different and this is a pre-pandemic movie and I think watching it post-pandemic is going to completely change our reception absolutely and I think that'll especially be interesting when we get into Endgame without Mm. spoilers because of what happens at the end of Infinity War I think that might give us a different reading of Endgame I totally agree but that's for when we get there whenever Anne draws that name out of the box maybe in 8 years (laughs) maybe in 8 years In the meantime, do you want to go to the movies? Yes. Let's go. (laughs) 
Okay, so we are back from watching Infinity War again. What what may have seemed like mere seconds uh, for you was in fact hours. 26, 27 hours? Yes, more or less. Mm. And as well as having to obviously sit through two and a half hours of that film. So, um, headline, what do you think? Eh. That's, that's, <laughs> that's my takeaway, yeah. Eh. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I remember it being better. Yeah, I mean, uh, the one thing that I did want to ask you about is I remember when this and subsequently Endgame came out and you had quite an emotional attachment to both of those films. I think more Endgame um, because it was it's more conclusive than this film. Like, you can definitely tell this film is part one. You it's know? like very much like teeing up. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's more because I remember before Endgame was announced, like some people were like this is Infinity War Part One, yeah. and then there's Infinity War Part Two. Yeah, you know, and that definitely this feels like the start of a film, which means to watch it by itself, sort of in isolation again, is quite a frustrating experience because it's not trying to be a complete movie. It's it's like. Is you know is is all just set up basically, which I also think is stupid because, for example, um, the only Lord of the Rings movie which isn't in the top one hundred, Fellowship. My no, Fellowship is in it there. in? I didn't Fe- see no, it. No, they're all in there. Okay, that's good. Fellowship is my favorite movie in the trilogy, and I think that does an excellent job of being a setup film, but also feeling like a complete story. Like I yeah. will watch Fellowship and then just not watch the other two because I like Fellowship and I feel like I don't need to watch any more of them. Yeah, no, that's completely. Well, I don't know. We'll get to that when we do the fellowship <laughs> episode at some point in the future, right? Um, no, I mean we 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 took a few notes as as we went along, yeah, and so... there's definitely some really good moments and good storylines. Mm. But uh, I think overall, like my main takeaway is honestly how scattered and unfocused the film feels. There's lots of weird tonal inconsistency. The editing choices are very strange and the places they choose to jump between the scenes. I It feels very much like they had a list of chores or scenes to complete mm-hmm. rather than telling a sort of organic story. So I think um, what we're going to do now is Will was very diligently taking notes throughout the movie is we'll just sort of do like a plot summary sure. and then run through sort of not too much but what we thought going through sort of yeah. step by step and then we can talk a little about about what we think about its place on the list and what this means for like you know what we think about the this franchise in general mm-hmm. um so i was spoilers from here on out basically yes. yeah if if for some reason you care about infinity war but haven't watched it in the three years since it came out yeah get on that i have a five year limit of stats like when it's okay to talk yeah. about spoilers like like a statutory sort of yeah um, exactly i mean obviously we'll do, of limitations that's we'll do a for. spoiler warning before each bit when we actually get into spoilers yeah, yeah. okay so um the sort of broad strokes of the film are that um it starts with uh, the asgardians ship which are sort of fleeing from asgard as blown up in full ragnarok um it starts with the ship sort of... We start in media res, which I think is a really good choice. I like how when they were doing the big dramatic Marvel logo, rather than the triumphant Marvel theme you're used to, right? Mm. It starts silent, and then you get the distress signal from like the bridge of this Asgardian yeah. ship, which has been taken over by Thanos and the children with, of Thanos. I think Thor Ragnarok is the last movie release before Infinity War? 
Will's going to look that up so. for me I'm right just now. Look this up. Just which, continue your thought. Which is the only reason why it makes sense for that to start. I think we'll come to this scene later, but when you get Gamora's backstory and the first huh? time she meets Thanos, as soon as I saw that scene, I was like, why isn't this the opening scene of the movie? I think the problem I have with especially... I mean, one of the many, many problems I have with Infinity War and Endgame is there's so much fridging going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, Will, for, for listeners who may not be cinephiles, what is the term fridging? So fridging, uh, to my understanding, I'm not uh, an academic. Like <laughs> It's not an academic term, it's a fan term. Well, well yeah, but, <laughs> you know, it, it's basically when, like, love interests or... It's traditionally love interests, but it can also just be, like, a daughter, significant... Yeah. Relation, use a character, a, one character has a significant relation with. Usually is, a woman. Usually, it's usually a woman, yeah. It sometimes it's Sometimes it's not. Like, a Wonder Woman. Like, like also in this film. Uh, with Loki. Loki. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but so, so, there's a close relationship and um, they get killed to sort of inspire the protagonist or hero or significant character to go and you know, kick off their. their Usually quest for revenge, basically, yeah. is what it starts as. So um, we get Gamora being fridged in this movie, sort of a central plot point, and I think the movie would be better if she was kind of the main character up until mm-hmm. her... I have no problem with her dying. It feeds the narrative. I understand why she was killed off. Yeah. But I think if she'd been the central focus of the movie, even if she was just the central focus of the Guardians of the Galaxy bits, instead of Peter Quill, yeah. Star-Lord... I think it would have been a lot better and a lot more emotionally well, compelling. Lots of characters get fridged, don't they? Because there's kind of Loki at the start, yeah. Then there's obviously Gamora you talked about, um, and there's another one which I've completely forgotten, which I was going to talk about. Um, in this one, yeah. In this, one. oh, um, Vision, Vision and Wonder. Oh, yeah. Kind of. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that is necessarily fridging because he dies at the end of the movie, and then she immediately gets dusted. Yeah. So it's not like his death fuels her. That, sure. Yeah. Um, I see what you mean. It, his, he, yeah, exactly. So it, it's more like someone who doesn't have a lot of character development. Like Gamora doesn't really have a lot of character development in the movie. And in, neither, any movie. In any movie. <laughs> uh, and, neither, and Loki doesn't have a lot of character... De- I say Loki, despite also being killed off and only being on screen for five minutes, has more character development in this movie than Gamora gets. So, There's um, a spicy take for everyone. To answer your question, and this is weird, I thought it came up earlier in the chronology, mm. but Black Panther was actually the last film to come out before That is so Infinity good. War. Also, just take a moment to you for Chadwick yeah. Boseman. He was it amazing. Was very sad to see Chadwick. And um, obviously Stan Lee had a great yeah. cameo as well. He's Peter's like school bus driver. Yeah. And everyone's panicking about the sh- about this huge alien ship. And he's like... Haven't you kids ever seen a spaceship before? Yeah. Because like New York's been invaded quite a lot of times at this point in, yeah. in the MCU kind of chronology. I mean, we have friends who we have friends who live in New York. Hello. Um, hello, friends who live in New York. Please uh, let us know if you do live in New York. If it was invaded by aliens all the time, would you still want to live there? Because I feel like people would. Yeah, and um, actually, something we were going to talk about, uh, which we thought was a bit weird when we were watching the film, because. In the UK, there's a very different attitude to fame and celebrities than there is in the US. Mm. Is that right at the start of this film, Tony and um, Pepper are just like wandering around Central Park and no one is paying any attention to them, despite the fact that Tony is like a huge global celebrity who has saved the earth multiple times. Yeah. But uh, we checked in with uh, our lovely friend Nate, who lives in New York. Nate and Watch. 
I imagine will probably be a future guest of this show. That would at be some very point. sick. Um, and he's like, yeah, that's just a thing that happens. Like he was telling me that one of his friends just like uh, was just wandering past Willem Dafoe the other day, uh, like in Central Park, and yeah. no one pays him any attention. So, you know. One nil to um, <laughs> one nil to MCU for, <laughs> for our for our criticism. So uh, we we kind of didn't really go over the plot in detail, but I don't feel like we need to. To be yeah, honest, yeah. Essentially, Thanos is trying to collect all the Infinity Stones, uh-huh. and we jump back and forth between different characters who are protecting different Infinity Stones. I believe the different plot threads are essentially um, Vision, Wanda. Captain America, Black Widow, Bucky, and Black Panther on Earth trying to protect Vision's stone, yeah. which is the Mind Stone. Um, Thanos gets the Space Stone, which is the one inside the Tesseract, tesseract at the start of the movie. Yeah. The um, Then you've got Gamora and Thanos um, retrieving the Soul Stone. The Soul Stone, which she knows the way to. Yeah. And uh, is sort of obtained from her by torturing yeah. she cares about. Peter Parker, Peter Quill, Iron Man and Doctor Strange protecting, and eventually Nebula, protecting yeah. the Time Stone. Which is um, being and, looked after by Doctor Strange in like a sort of pocket dimension kind of thing. And Mantis, my favourite character of all time. Mantis is great. Mantis is so great. Um, and then Thor, Rocket and Groot trying to find a Thanos killing weapon. Yeah. And we kind of just jump in between all of these stories. And it really does feel like a setup. I think the main things that I the main problems I have with this movie is maybe until the final two battle scenes, which is the ones um that the Doctor Strange and crew have with Thanos and the ones Captain America and crew have on Earth with mm-hmm. um Thanos's hench people, is that up until then, all the fights felt quite boring. Yep. There are a few moments that stood out to me. Firstly, the moment that got me was when Captain America shows up. That is the... It's about 20... About half an hour into the movie. And that is when they choose to drop the Avengers theme, which I thought was really interesting, musically speaking. Yeah. But yeah, no, when Captain America showed up and the Avengers theme played, like that was... That was a big moment. So cool. Cap, Cap got a really good entrance. They're, they're fighting in Waverly Station, yeah. Edinburgh, where we've been a few times mm-hmm. to visit my sister. Um, and he gets this... The, you know, there's this big fight that's been sort of raging in this Edinburgh sort of... Yeah. Uh, you know, the pitch of night in Edinburgh's yeah. old town where they're fighting the dark and it's rain and cobblestones. And they're fighting through the train station with... Vision and Wanda and you know, the Children of Thanos and uh, and Black Widow as well, of course. Um, and then what, a train like leaves, and behind it you get the silhouette of it's Cap. It's very cool. And he turns around, and I think it's the first time you've seen him in the chronology since Civil War. Yeah, it right? is. Right. So he's he's got like the long hair. He's got a beard. He's not wearing like the the classic Cap uniform anymore either. I am looking respectfully. I know. I know. So. so uh, and he catches the sort of energy it's spear. It's really cool. He gets this proper hero's entrance, yeah. which is quite interesting. Considering given... he has no personality for the entire movie. Well, yeah, that, <laughs> that's it. Like, Cap, he gets this awesome entrance, but he doesn't actually have much to do in this film. It's... I know it's because... Um... He's finished his character arc. Well, yeah. But yeah. What, what I was going to say is, um, is that they wrote both... Infinity War and Endgame at the same time. Yeah. So, kind of, with that in mind, over the two films, Cap has a fair amount to do because yeah. he does quite a lot in Endgame. Spoilers for when we get there. Yeah. But in this film, 
Yeah, he does a little bit of fighting the children of Thanos Edinburgh, and then he fights like some sort of faceless CGI monsters for a bit yeah. in Wakanda, and that's sort of it. I think now would be a good time to rattle through our, our thoughts on the main characters. Okay, which is a I've said my thoughts on Cap, Iron Man. I don't care for Iron Man. He doesn't again, like for the character who has been. You, you you would probably say the face, right, of, yeah. of the MCU up to this point. He's got his three mainline films. He's kind of the lead of the Avengers. I know it's Cap technically, but Iron Man, Tony's got sort of the anti-hero, cocky personality. He's more of like the, the face yeah. of the organisation, right? And he's also in a load of the other films, like um, Spider-Man, for example. Yeah, so because I am captain of the Spider-Man fan club, I have a lot of um, personal vendetta against Iron Man. Spider-Man, uh, my son, the light of my life. I think Will took notes when he showed up on screen. I went, my boy, really yeah. loudly. And I know it's, it's interesting that Peter feels like so, for a character who at this point, he appeared in Civil War, yeah. right? And there was the Spider-Man um, Homecoming, which yeah. was his Which was a not great origin movie. Story. It wasn't an origin story, which no, I appreciated. Me too. But it was his first standalone film. Yeah. And then we're sort of straight on into Infinity War, really. Yeah. And he's not which... particularly in the others. I spent the whole time, every time he was on screen doing something, there's a bit where he fights Thanos, and I was like, he's 17 years old. Why are people letting him fight Thanos? Yeah. He's a teenager. Which is great. I, I, know, I know, you know, uh, Tony originally um, deployed like the parachutes when they were yeah. going up on the spaceship yeah. because Tony didn't want to have him involved. Yeah. But when he was on Titan, they were like, well, may as well just make this teenager fight like... Child soldier. You know, a super powerful Titan. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Bruce, I really vibed yeah. with Bruce and loved what he was... I, I have such yo-yoing opinions on Bruce Banner depending on how they choose to write him uh-huh. but the way they chose to write him in this movie and the idea of like the inner conflict he has with the Hulk which I'll explore later I do really enjoy I really appreciate that he sort of doesn't really know what's going um, yeah. on yeah because ever since um, Age of Ultron right when he yeah. when he and Hulk form got on the Quinjet and flew off and then he had he was doing his thing on um on Trash Island in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. He, he's he got no idea, you know, that the Avengers broke up. He's like, the Avengers broke up? What, like, the Beatles? Yeah. The line, stop it, Bruce, you're embarrassing us in front of the wizards, was very good. That, that's amazing. That, right. And the, the second bit that made me properly laugh was when um, Peter Parker met Doctor Strange and he says, oh, hi, I'm Peter Parker. Oh, I'm Doctor Strange. Oh, so we're using our made-up names. Okay, I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> because Doctor Strange is his real name. Yeah, he just it's just his professional title. To be fair, if I got... When I get a doctorate, we're manifesting. Yes. Um, I will also just insist on being called Doctor all the time. So, I get it. I understand. Yeah. And I guess, uh, like, Tony's got PhDs, so he could just be Doctor Stark. Yeah. <laughs> As does Bruce Banner. Bruce is yeah. So Bruce can, has five PhDs. Yeah, Bruce has got more than Tony. I think that's a thing. In yeah. Both. Anyway, we're we're getting a little bit off track here. Um, other major characters. Just thinking. Um, to kind of run through, Thor is quite fun in this because he has some he has some good interplay with the Guardians at the start. It's and his moment when he makes. Is it is it called Stormbreaker? It I, is right. His his yeah. big Thanos That's killing axe. That's the computer in Alex Rider. That's yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. Um. Yeah. I think the thing I really yes. like about Thor is there's an overrun from Ragnarok where sort of I think the 
Kevin Feige and like other people saw how the reception to Thor being written in the way he was, which is yeah. very like traditional eighties golden boy hero in that he's like dumb and kind of mean and but really and, nice and he's kind of but he's also sort of like the comic thor which is like the yay verily kind of yeah. type where he is like a sort of a furian knight or something taika bought the himbo energy yeah and the teens loved it and so they kind of ran with that for this one and it really worked which is very cool because one of the issues with the mcu having so many different directors but they keep the same characters yeah between films is that with some people, um, you mentioned it with Bruce, you also get it quite badly, I think, with uh, Natasha. And I would say Wanda. And Wanda as well, yeah. Depending on who's writing the film, their personalities and the way they interact with the other characters can feel really different. Yeah. So I'm glad they kept Thor feeling quite similar to what he was like in Ragnarok. It was good. Um, so that was really good as well. There's, I mean, obviously there's a real sort of laundry list of other yeah, I, th- I think we've appear. hit the main ones, for, for this movie at least. Yeah, I think so, because you get a lot more, for example, from... Black Widow. From that. Uh, I mean, Hawkeye and Ant-Man are even in this film. Yeah. Right? Uh, because they Sorry, I think you mean Ronin? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll cover that one. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Um, there are some cool moments and some fun sort of flashbacks and things like that, like when Thanos goes to get the Soul Stone and it's Red Skull who's guarding it. But seeing him for the first time since Captain America, uh, the first Avenger, which was... It was just a really weird choice. I didn't like it, but I understand it's cool that it was a callback, but he had no emotional significance to Thanos or Gamora whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of like, there's there's no emotional tension in that, like, for us, it's kind of like, oh, I know that guy. But apart from that, I'm kind of like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Uh, which, which is fair. Which yeah. is fair. I, I, I can uh, empathise, like, with that view. It's just the thing I really don't like about this movie. I feel like I'm dunking on this movie a lot. It's fine. Yeah. I would just watch it, um, even if we weren't doing this podcast. But I, for me, it just feels incredibly fan servicey yeah and that leaves like that gives me the ick so badly um one of the bits i really didn't like in the fight with wakanda which you pointed oh, out the girl fight is yeah it's like a big girl fight and thanos is the other daughter of thanos yeah the, the lady with the horns yeah who firstly i could change her secondly Betty. she she only fights women through the entire movie, she never engages in physical combat with a male member of the yeah. Avengers. So in Edinburgh, she fights Wanda and then... Black Widow. Uh, Black Widow. And then on Wakanda, she also then fights Wanda, Black Widow and... Okoye. Okoye, yeah. Um, who is sort of the um, the chief bodyguard, basically, yeah. for T'Challa, if, if you forget. Um, yeah, she's great. I mean, I mean, fundamentally, my thoughts on it are that... As with all of the Marvel properties, particularly the team-up movies, yeah. the best bits are the interpersonal interactions and um, seeing people's personalities bump bump and bounce off each other. Which half the time doesn't even work because the characters are being written as completely different people movie to movie. Yeah, which and obviously directed by different directors yeah. as well. I think in terms of technical... Because we've talked a lot about the plot. Mm-hmm. In terms of the technical stuff behind the movie... Um, the costumes, as always, are pretty good. I feel like I wish they would lean into as much as I hate to bring up the Suicide Squad. 
I wish they would lead into it a little bit more. Like yep. the vi- the best thing about Ragnarok, which I know I talk about all the time because it's my favorite Marvel movie, is uh-huh. the visuals are amazing. Yeah, and they because re- it's comic book esque, which is why Sp- everyone loves Spider Verse because of the visuals. Yeah, and they really don't lean into that in this movie. This movie, if you think about the palette, it's very dull yeah. color wise as a palette. So you know, Titan is this big dusty sort of grey planet. Even Wakanda, which is this sort of um, mystical country. Afrofuturism is a very cool... This mystical Afrofuturistic, yeah, country. They're just fighting in sort of this big, like, savannah-esque field, you know. I I mentioned, like, I think the Edinburgh scene was quite fun, but again, that was dark, grey, cobbled streets. There's no colour there's lots of scenes on yeah. um, on Thanos's a big like alien ship which sort of came down to abduct uh, Doctor Strange, and again that's all just grey. The original p- appeal of Marvel over DC, in my opinion, was that they rejected this realism for comic book movies uh-huh. and embraced a sort of more zany, wacky aesthetic. Yeah, which like comic books in our camp, in their design and in their stories. And I think that Marvel is now, in order to create some emotional resonance, trying to lean away from silliness mm-hmm. and camp. And I think that's a huge mistake, because I don't think those things are dichotomous. Oh, big word. Yeah, well, you can't be talking about that's, movies. I'm that's one for the words. bingo, is like, <laughs> and uses a multisyllable word. <laughs> We use multisyllable words every day. Syllable is a multisyllable I, word. I know, but you know, a multi, like a technical... Yeah. Um, That's why, by the way, I've got two film degrees, sort of. <laughs> Shut up. Square. But um, I think it's, yeah, they're, they're trying to be grittier, and I think it's a blatant mistake. It's the reason why people loved the original sort of concept of Marvel, was because it was kind of silly, and the reason why we love Spider-Verse is because it leans into the comic book aesthetic and the sort of ridiculousness of it all. And I think it's, again, not getting too into Endgame spoilers, but the best thing about Endgame, for me is the major plot thread, they kind of go, just go with it. Yeah. Which is what you're supposed to do. And I feel like setting it up and explaining everything really gets rid of that. Uh, I I also just feel like Endgame has a lot more interesting material thanks to this film. Like, the consequences of the snap and um, the time travel elements yeah. are much more fun and much more fantastical and they have the opportunity to do that thanks to this film laying the bedrock and that sort of sums up how i feel about infinity war is that it's the foundations the foundations of a house are boring blocks of concrete which go underground and no one looks at but they let the house you know go on top of it or it's the roots of a plant that are sort of buried underground but let like the plant blossom on top of it speaking of consequences of the snap Mm-hmm. I do think it would be ignoring the elephant in the room to not talk about watching this and the idea of the snap and living in a post-COVID uh-huh. world. Absolutely. It rid- it it hits different. It does, yeah. Um, and I, I will say something, um, a, a rare bit of praise, right, for the MCU and Infinity War. I feel like it was an incredibly bold choice to dust as many characters as they did at the end of this film. Oh, I don't think so. Uh, look, <laughs> I, I, I know that they all get brought back yeah. and every, everything's kind of... Well, not yeah. all of them. Like, for example, uh, spoiler train game uh, here. Gamora comes back, but it's not the same Gamora. Yeah. It's a different timeline Gamora and things like that. 
I still think it was a big decision to do that with so many well-known characters at a point where it was unclear how they were going to be brought back, if they were going to be the same, and things like that. I I think it's an interesting choice for them to make at least, which yeah. they could have got away with not doing. I disagree. Okay. And I'll tell you why. I'm sure you will. <laughs> it's because I think they knew how difficult it was to watch that movie with so many different characters and so many different plots that were going on. So what I think they recognised is that they needed to get some rid of some of the characters to make the second movie more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So they went, okay, who do we need for the main story? We need these people to fill these roles. Everyone else can get gone. We don't need them. It yeah. isn't a really easy way to write them out and resolve their stories and just make yeah. sure don't worry about well, them. Well, that's true. I still think it was a... I still think it was quite a bold choice. It was a shock moment, for sure. It like, was a shock moment, yeah. yeah. And it was something... You know, it's provocative. It gets the people going, <laughs> in the words of uh, of Mac from Always Sunny. Like, that's got to get me cancelled. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so, it, it's, it was a big decision to make. And it was something that people were talking about. That was the yeah. big Infinity War spoiler. It was the end of it. Um, and I think it's easy to forget now with the benefit of hindsight. Just like how... I remember when we first, when I, I first watched this film and um, you first see, you know, the you fade away from Earth and you hear the familiar 80s music and you see uh, with a bit of the Guardian that theme and then you see the Guardian's cool. ship. Yeah. That was a huge moment when we were watching it in cinemas. That was a big gasp moment yeah. for like the communal watching experience was that these... You've got the feeling they're bringing everything together. Yeah. So I think that's it's easy to forget how important and like resonant that was yeah. that's fair. at the time that's with fair. the benefit of hindsight. Now yeah. that we know that everyone's together and we know yeah. that... As Guardians of the Galaxy is coming out at some point in the not too distant future and things like that, you know. Now we've kind of summed up the movie, our feelings about it. I think we can start to talk about its placing in the ranking. Of, of course, yeah. And I appreciate this was a little bit rambling. We didn't talk a huge amount about the plot, but this is our first time. And Infinity War is one of the most watched films yeah. ever. Yeah. And very culturally weighty which is why it's on the list not because it's good well yeah exactly um so for the future we're films that um might not have that kind of cultural presence or where the plot might not be quite so kind of well known we will likely spend more time your fault like when we when we when we get to seven samurai i'm gonna spend the whole movie being like if you haven't seen this film go go see see this film no no definitely i completely agree so as we covered um Infinity War is ranked number 62 Boo. on IMDb's Top 100 uh, chart. Um, we mentioned this to um, someone in a game shop yesterday yeah. and he was genuinely shocked. Yeah. <laughs> so... I think, yeah, I mean, for me, it's very similar. And your Will's going to give me a look for saying this. Uh, but similar to Avatar, in mm. that it had this huge cultural impact. I mean, I know Avatar didn't have any lasting impact, but... It was still, you know, the movie. Um, And it wasn't particularly... There's no area of that movie Mm -hmm. where I look at it and go, oh, this specific factor or skill that goes into making films, whether it be acting, directing, editing, prop design, scoring, there was no element where I looked at it and I went, oh, that was done really well. 
And I think that should be the case for any movie to be in the top 100. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know if this is going to be a controversial take, but one of the other segments we're looking at is, are there any other films by these directors that you like? And the Russos have literally directed, you know, sitcom episodes, Marvel films, and Yumi and Dupree, the, mm. the, the terrible film with Owen Wilson. Yeah. Which is curious because I think the episodes they do direct of Community and Arrested Development, which are two of my favourite shows, are done really well. Yeah. And I think it's one of the reasons why they were hired for Marvel, because one of the things you're going to hear me say every time we encounter a superhero movie is that superhero visual adaptations should not be movies, they should be TV shows because they are episodic. Mm -hmm. I'll say the same thing about Charles Dickens adaptations, apart from Muppets Christmas Carol. They should be, they're episodic. And and I'd argue Sherlock Holmes as well, because they're written as episodic most of the time. Yeah, they're episodic. They should be TV shows, they shouldn't be movies. Um, So I think in some ways hiring the Russos was like a good call because you're trying to bring that sort of episodic yeah. character-driven yeah, style. Didn't work, but it was a good idea. <laughs> and if you look at some of the projects the Russos have worked on, like um, Arrested Development and Community, mm. which are both two shows that are very close to my heart, these are quite subversive, creative, bold sort of shows that do a lot with they do a lot with um, genre and mm. are very meta and fourth wally. I mean, everyone knows that about community. They do yeah. parody episodes of other TV shows and things TV like show. that. <laughs> and Arrested Development is sort of framed as kind of like a mockumentary. It's very self-aware. But also not. Yeah, they're both very self-aware, creative, boundary-pushing shows. And then to sort of turn and look yeah. at, you know, a very straight... I'd call it po-faced. It's, it's very yeah. serious Sort of Which is stupid for movie. any superhero yeah. thing ever. I, th- I think is, I don't know, probably just a choice I don't agree with and I don't think yeah. it's a good fit. And that's one of my primary beefs with the MCU is that you have all these amazing directors who make great, if not independent, then very auteuristic, I don't know if that's a word, yeah. um, products, yeah. which they then are forced to kind of turn out a homogenised sort of mcu film yeah which is the exact reason why uh, edgar wright left um the ant-man and he was correct too um and i know taika's uh for ragnarok taika watiti's yeah. for ragnarok really stands out for the reason that it feels like a taika watiti film not just yeah you know mcu film number 18 or whatever yeah. it is um and another example of that is uh, marvel's the eternals which is directed by Chloe Zhao, who made um, Nomadland. Chloe Zhao and I went to the same high school. Not the same, not the same time. Not though. the same time. She's like fifteen but, years older than me. But, but I still uh, think it's cool. But, but you, know, you know, Chloe Zhao made Nomadland, which is such a different, brave sort of raw take on how to make a movie and how to do this character study. It's very visceral. Yeah. And then you go from there to you know the Eternals, which is a big CGI sort of mess yeah. with actors you know running around in green screen suits and and things like that and just quipping at each other all the time and you sort of think why why is chloe Zhao yeah. the cho- your choice why you know, why do you hire someone off the back of creating so- this yeah, brilliant work absolutely. of art and then you know just make them direct you know yeah. the cinematic equivalent of like a mcdonald's happy meal yeah you know it'll be like it, that I, I like i'm sure this isn't a new comparison at all 
But if you take a celebrity chef, you know, you take Heston Blumenthal and you ask him to make you a burger and, you know, a McDonald's Happy Meal. Yeah. It's like, people like Happy Meals. They're, they're very popular. Loads of people buy them. But... Someone else could do it just as well. Maybe better. May, maybe better, yeah, because they're just interested in making a good Happy Meal rather than trying to... Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Uh, I I'm, exactly I'm sure that analogy could use a little bit of work. No, but I, no, I think it sense. kind of makes sense. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say here. Um, so, um, it, this was number 62, yep. as we discussed. Do you think it deserves its space? No, I do not. I don't either. If you are looking for superhero media, one of the things I would recommend would be The Tick. That's mm. a really good show. That's I'd also happened. really recommend the first series of Jessica Jones. Uh-huh. Um, even some of the Disney Plus series, the first few episodes i think of uh, wandavision are great i think yeah. hawkeye is really good um i would also definitely say um some of the more i don't know i don't want to say adult because that sounds really stupid yeah. and it just implies that something has to be like bloody and grim to be adult yeah but um the boys and invincible, invincible which invincible are is both amazing. on amazon are yeah. also very interesting alternative looks at a superhero field world and if you're looking for a movie go watch shazam yeah shazam's oh, great also a fun silly show that i like a lot which there was only one season of um uh, is this show called powerless, powerless which i always talk about with um vanessa hudgens and alan tudyk and uh, danny pudy's in it as yeah. well who's point, also in the mcu by the way. our point of the matter is we're not dunking on superhero media and saying that it doesn't deserve a place in the top 100 there's just lots of better ways to handle the concept of superheroes that I think are out there and that you can like go and explore. But if we were replacing this um, movie for number 62, mm-hmm. personally, I would put Muppets Treasure Island at number 62. Why is Muppets Treasure Island the one that you picked it? Because obviously there's hundreds of films mm. that you've watched which you might have enjoyed more than Infinity yeah. War or think are more deserving yeah. of a spot in this list. I'm curious why Muppet's Treasure Island is the one that springs to mind for you. They're both adaptations, uh-huh. which was kind of the basis of my thinking. And I also think they're both not particularly good adaptations. I think whilst Muppet's Treasure Island is an enjoyable movie, it's not a true adaptation of the spirit of Treasure Island. And I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are some aspects of it that are really well done. I think the writing's good. The prop work, as always, is excellent. And the score which I believe is one of... Um, who did the music for Pirates of the Caribbean? Was it Hans Zimmer or John Williams? Uh, Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. So Hans Zimmer did the music, scored Muppets Treasure Island. Before. Before he scored um, Pirates of the Caribbean. And you can sort of hear the beginnings of Pirates of the Caribbean's iconic theme in the backing music he chooses for Treasure Island. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's one of those films which is quite technically well made quite um fun to watch an enjoyable watch and is also quite iconic in terms of the cultural sphere you see a lot of people talking about human movies where there's you know it's all muppets and then there's one human exactly but christmas carol and treasure island are the only two muppets movies where that is done they're the only two of its kind and yet that's still such a popular meme yeah and tim curry is Fantastic. Tim Curry's fantastic in everything he, he does. He, he's particularly, you know, in yeah in Muppets Treasure Island, he's great. Yeah. Um. So that's why I would put it sort of number sixty two. Is I'd say it's quite a lot of the filmmaking aspects of it are quite well done. They're not top of the game the best. Mm-hmm. Um. But I th- but I think it has a similar maybe a less significant cultural impact. 
slightly less significant as an adaptation, but I think it does a better job on a lot of technical aspects. And yeah. that is why I would put it there. And the, also, I love The Muppets. On the topic of Tim Curry, because this film definitely isn't the top 100, my favourite Tim Curry performance is Clue. I know. Which is, a, is this great film based on the Clue slash Cluedo, if you're English or mm. British, a board game um, where they've sort of reprised it as a murder mystery complete with all the original characters. Um and when they first released it as a film, they sh- they recorded three different endings, and depending on which showing you went to, you saw a different potential ending. Um, and one of them was a secret, super rare, sort of hidden ending, which I think is just a really interesting way to, you know, show a mystery yeah. film. Um, so my choice in the top one hundred, uh, more of a recent film, The Muppets Treasure Island, um, which came out. Which had its release interrupted by, um, you know, the Panini, mm. um, is Judas and the Black Messiah. Yes. A fantastic um, semi-biographical, because it's based on true events and true characters are featured in it. Some of which are renamed or reshaped to fit the narrative. They use footage. Uh, yeah, as well, yeah, yeah, and, and using mixing in obviously, yeah, real life footage uh, of the FBI. Um, investigation and attempts basically to and arrest s- subsequent murder of and subsequent murder of yeah um members of the black panther party mm. um in the u.s it's a fantastic film about this um fbi mole played mm. by lakeith stansfield who's induced by the fbi to to go undercover and get close to um a sort of notable figure in the black panthers who's played by daniel kalua who is obviously also in the MCU, yeah. to link it back together. <laughs> um, and it's that's an exceptional character study about the relationship between... Uh, about the relationship between different people, about uh, what tension and pressure um, can do to people. And sort of... Yeah, uh, it, it's a very revealing film about, about race and race relations in the US, which is something I'm glad is now being really directly addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, very similarly to how it was actually done in Black Klansman as well, which is more tongue-in-cheek. Um, Juice and the We're Black Messiah is very solid. But Juice and the Black Messiah would be my pick. Fantastic yeah. performances, very raw, very bravely directed, and an interesting topic. That, that a, a topic that is very culturally important and very bravely and sensitively handled yeah. so that would be my pick um to go in the top 100 over uh avengers uh, cgi war <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i think that about wraps it up for now this uh-huh. is just a test episode so we may not even end up airing this but if you're hearing this let us know what you liked let us know what you didn't like um and if you agree or disagree with some of our yeah. on avengers infinity war i'm very interested to see what our next pick out of uh me too the hat of imdb top one well 99 now movies and who we will potentially invite to come and join us yeah it may not be for the next episode maybe four or five in but um i guess you'll find out when that airs yeah absolutely me too we'll see you next time we go back to the movies That was The Date Night Drive-In with Amelia Chisholm and Will Byford. You can find us at D8NightDriveIn on Twitter and on this feed the last Friday of every month. See you at the drive-in!